There's a change happening in the way we live, the way we work, the way we spend our money and make our decisions. We are evolving to be more conscious in our actions in a way that serves the world and makes it a better place. Welcome to The Ethical Evolution. The Ethical Evolution podcast is brought to you by Ethical Change Agency. I'm Bindi, I'm the founder, and my mission is to help ethical entrepreneurs and holistic healers to find their voice through spiritual coaching and podcasting. I'm honoured to bring you the stories of those who create change through healing, kindness, innovation, purpose, and spirit. Understanding that to create collective change, we need to be the change. It all begins with us. Brenda Florida is a certified life coach and an expert at liberating her clients into freedom, clarity, confidence, and empowerment they crave. She is fun and practical, irreverent and spiritual. She knows she has to live it to give it, so she lives what she coaches. When I sat down with Brenda, we both knew we had met kindred spirits. With so much synergy in our coaching styles and clients, I loved every minute of this conversation and I hope you do too. Welcome, Brenda, to The Ethical Evolution. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here, Bindi. Me too. Now, um, for people who don't know who you are, can you tell us who you are and what you do? (laughs) Yes. So I am a serial entrepreneur, you could say. Um, I started my first business with my husband at the time back in my 20s. That was a franchise with a company called Domino's Pizza. Now, I am a certified life coach, so I've been building a life coaching practice uh, for the last several years, and I really focus on people who would identify as being people pleasers, so being a people pleaser, being the kind of person who tends to put others first, they're usually very empathetic, I say they, I can say (laughs) I, uh, because (laughs) I, I coach what I have learned how to, you know, improve on, right, so People who are people pleasers are awesome folks, but their energies get a little too outer focused and they will leave themselves behind a lot is what happens. And so they end up sort of serving at their own expense. And I help people, a lot of entrepreneurs, maybe because I've been one, uh, but a lot of entrepreneurs and, and people in general who realize along the way in their life, they have sacrificed themselves um, in an attempt to help others and, and you know, really serve in that way. And so how to create that balance. Yeah, and I, I know plenty of people pleasers. And, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, and I used to be one. I'm not so much anymore. Um, yes. But do you find that a lot of people who are people pleasers and also entrepreneurs um, <laughs> and empaths um, mm-hmm. tend to experience burnout a lot more? Yes. Because Well, so for many reasons, uh, I'll take it apart a little bit. First of all, for empaths, one of the reasons why empaths get so burned out is, and this is becoming very culturally sort of normal for people to talk about, oh, I'm an empath. And so I just take on all these other people's feelings or I feel all their feelings and it's just so overwhelming and all of that. I would like to suggest and I have many times on my own platform, so thank me, thank you for letting me do it here, <laughs> that that's almost like a distortion of empathy. Like empathy in its true form has boundaries. Mm. Empathy is just the ability for me to put myself in your shoes, so to speak, to be able, I love Brene Brown's take on empathy and that idea of I can take your perspective, I can understand how you're feeling, but that it can stop there, like real healthy intimacy, um, empathy. Oh, Freudian slip there with intimacy, right? <laughs> uh, um, stops there and has those boundaries so that I don't get lost in your feelings. Mm. I don't stop speaking up about my own feelings and my own needs because I'm so into yours, which is where it starts to then trickle into uh, the people pleasing piece. 
but getting all wound up in other people's emotions, that will certainly burn us out because now we've got our own and someone else's mm. or a whole group of people's. And then being an entrepreneur, I think is so, it's so unique, right? Each one of us as entrepreneurs would have a slightly different story and our experiences are all, there's a collective that where we can relate to each other. Absolutely. But it's also very, very individualistic. So as you and I are unique people, the way we run, I have a podcast, you have a podcast. I'm sure the way I do, it's a little different the way you do it, the hours we spend, you know, and so it's very easy to just keep going and going comparison is the enemy mm. of all entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. you know, as mine as good as you, do I have as many listeners? Do I, have, it seems like you're growing faster. It seems like you're doing more, you know, and we get in this comparison spiral where it rarely winds up good. You know, we usually end up being the one that is lacking in our own mind. And that really will, you know, propel us into burnout Mm. because it it just feeds that unfortunate thing that most people have that is that little underlying belief that we're not good enough. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I I love what you say there about uh, people who identify themselves as empaths, um, probably somewhat um, incorrectly, uh, (laughs) and use it almost like a a label or an excuse uh, for behavior. Um, yes. yes, I see that quite often. And, and you know, I'm sorry to hang on to empathy here for a minute, but, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, it's such a powerful thing when it's used right. Um, you know, it mm-hmm. can actually empower others. And I think used well, it's a great thing. Mm-hmm. But when we try and label it and, and use it as an excuse, not cool. <laughs> you know, that's such a great point. And it connects so closely with people pleasing because in the same way, I love what you just said, because really as impasse, if we don't have those boundaries and we kind of take it too far, it we can unintentionally, I'll say, take away the power of that person we're being empathetic to in our own minds. Well, the same thing happens with people pleasing. Mm. When I am so helpful to you that I am actually taking your power away and creating a sort of a conditioned helplessness Mm. and it when you do that with a person because classically a codependent person is going to attract people who want them Mm. to be codependent you know they're the addicts I mean you could think you know I I just said codependent because that's another word for people pleaser people pleaser came out of the whole um, concept of codependency and we're usually with addicts or under functioners in some way. I know mm. I've been married to a couple um, <laughs> and, and I've done it in my career. I've mm. done it, whether I've worked for somebody else or I've been in my own business, it's still easy to do that where you are doing so much for others. It actually ends up disempowering them or you attract people who don't want the power and want to blame you all the time and let you do everything anyway. Mm. And none of those states are healthy. Yeah. For us or them. Exactly. And I think uh, one of the things that resonates with the both of us is um, in, in the coaching that we both do is that we basically do help those people pleasers find themselves again um, because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're generally, and I will say they are generally women uh, mm-hmm. who are doing everything for everybody else and um, putting everybody else first and then forgetting what is it that actually sets me on fire? What is it that makes mm-hmm. me happy? What do I actually enjoy doing? I don't remember anymore. Um, yes. So let's unpack that, Brenda. Like, what do you do to help people find themselves again? Yes, such a great question. It's so funny because the client I just had a little bit ago, that's her the struggle exactly. She spent so many years putting other people first and thinking, well, what would make them happy? And let me do that. That now that she's ready to ask what will make me happy, there's no answer that's coming, Mm. you know. And so there's a lot of different things we can do. But one of the things I like to take people to first is start to explore or remember what gives you pleasure. 
because pleasure is such a, it's such an underestimated power, you know, um, and I don't mean power over, uh, but that it is so powerful in our own lives to remind us of who we were. Mm. We were children, most of us, I, I got shut down very, very young in my life. Like I'm sure by the time I was five, I was already, I had already been abused. I, you know, just my family and religious culture didn't want me to flourish and be the authentic me that, you know, I am today, purple hair and all, you know, but so I, even for me, I was shut down very early. Some people, it doesn't happen till later. So they have more vivid childhood memories of, oh, I remember I used to love to, you know, fill in the blank, play in the dirt, garden, skateboard, you know, whatever it is, those are all clues. And we, we don't want to dismiss them as adults and say, well, I can't get on a skateboard anymore. Doesn't matter. Even if that's true and you can't, what remembering what that felt like, what will that take you to? What can you do today that will, you know, create that same feeling state of joy and freedom that you had when you were on that skateboard or you were in the garden or you were, you know, whatever. So I like to take people back and usually people can find something from their childhood or it doesn't, if you can't do that, which I totally relate to, I have almost no memories of being a child. There are still things that will spark your attention. You mm -hmm. might notice it through a movie, you know, that they're doing, somebody in the movie is doing something that really, it just gives you that fire, like you said, that lights you up. And so you got to go find those breadcrumbs and then follow them. Mm -hmm. And really the smallest action towards yourself on your own behalf can reap really big rewards. Mm -hmm. And then you just keep doing another one and another one and another one. Because if we don't know who we are, I mean, true story, I was so lost. This was in my early 30s. I might have even been late 20s. I got married very young and had my children very young. So by the time I'm in my late 20s, early 30s, my husband and I are in counseling. And the therapist asked me what my favorite color was. And literally, like, I looked to my husband to for the answer to that. And that was so shocking to me. Now, purple, not surprisingly, is my favorite <laughs> color and has been since I was a little girl. But I was so lost in who I thought he wanted to be me to be and the church wanted me to be and what a good mother was and all these things. I couldn't remember my favorite color. And it was so shocking to me that that day I was like, oh, oh wait a minute, <laughs> I have a problem. Mm. Uh, you know, like that was a big wake up call. Um, so I know what it's like to be lost. And just little by little, you remember your favorite color and then you remember a favorite food and a favorite thing to do. But those are all pleasure. Mm. It's not like, you know, nose to the grindstone and go figure this out. And, you mm. know, it's it, it doesn't need to be hard, hard won't help us get there. Does that make sense? Does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. And I can totally re relate to you there. And um, uh, it comes back to um, understanding your wants and needs as well. Like what what fulfills you um, and, mm -hmm. and what nourishes you as well. Um, I know for me, um, I had a, a moment a few years back where I was talking with a therapist and um, they, they just really <laughs> bluntly said to me, what do you want? Like, what do you really want? If you could have anything in the world or do anything you ever wanted to do, what would it be? And I was just like, hmm, don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, because we never get asked. We never yes. get asked. Like, wh what do we truly want in life? And mm -hmm. nobody asks us. We're just expected to know and just go do your thing. Um, yes. Is that another thing that you find with people as well? They're just so lost in terms of direction and yes. they just don't know, you know, what they're here for. Yes, I, when I start working with a new one-on-one -on -one client, one of the questions that I ask is if you, it's very similar to what you're saying, if you could do anything. So if money and time were not an issue and because my, most of my clients are people pleasers, I always say, and you wouldn't make anybody mad or disappoint <laughs> them. Mm. 
what would you do? And that's enough that the whole not making somebody mad or disappointing them. I mean, those are two hot buttons when you're a people pleaser. Uh, the uh, disappointing almost even more than making a mad, like the idea of disappointing somebody just seems like death itself, you know? So sometimes if they can break free from that, they'll suddenly know the answers like, oh my gosh, well, I would run a travel agency and I would go do, you know, and they'll get it. But when they don't, I mean, I definitely have clients who are like, yeah, uh, <laughs> no idea. And so again, we, to me, that's a, so one of my basic beliefs is that we actually have everything that we need inside of us already for everything that is possible for us to create and do, you know, sky's the limit, infinite possibilities. We're going to access the quantum field. All things are possible. I already have those things inside of me. And I see myself as a coach, as being the facilitator to my clients to help them uncover it because it's like layers and layers of blankets or something, you know, going over that part. And so it seems like you don't know. It seems like you don't know the answer to that. And I get that. But if we just keep peeling off one blanket after another, you'll start to catch that glimpse of what it is. And besides what we've already talked about, like focusing on things that give you pleasure, there's also the part of authenticity, which is almost a buzzword anymore, but it's such a big part of people pleasing. And I think for anyone, whether they identify as a people pleaser, anybody who has, who is not conforming, Mm. okay, So this is where, to me, even though I'm cis straight, okay, so, and, you know, white, for those of you who can't see, you know, (laughs) this is not video, I'm white, Um, I, there's a lot of people that would identify differently that I'm, I can't relate to exactly, right, I don't know what it's like to be a black man, I don't know what it's like to be a black woman, I don't know what it's like, you know, there's a lot But here's what we have in common. We've probably all spent time trying to be something other than what we really are. And that's what brings us together to me in that beautiful thing. Like I always love, I just got goosebumps myself thinking about this. So I love the end of um, Black Panther when uh, Chadwick Boseman says, there's more that brings us together then separates us. I'm sure he wasn't the first person that said it, but (laughs) I loved it when he said it at the end of that movie. And that's what brings us together to say, okay, I have spent so much time pretending to be what is socially acceptable, what's acceptable to my family, what's acceptable to my religion, whatever. I've lost myself. So now it's exploring it's trying this and going, yeah, yeah, no, that didn't do it. Okay, let me go try that. See if that worked, you know, and just, again, following those breadcrumbs and giving ourselves permission to be exactly who we are. If I have a family that's all gardening and they all love it and they all, and so I've been digging in the dirt for as long as I can remember, but I finally admit one day, I don't like it. I like my nails painted. I don't want dirt <laughs> under my nails. I just, you know, I don't want the responsibility of what I don't want to do it. Like the permission to just say, no, I, I, I'm going to let myself not do that and stop pretending that that's something that I like. Yeah. And that's, that's probably the hardest thing for a people pleaser is to say no. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and also to have boundaries Yes. That's the other big thing, right? Um, Yeah, I've seen this in so many people pleasers. And and for me, um, how I broke out of being a people pleaser was I realised that um, I couldn't please them anyway and I wasn't pleasing myself. So what was the point in it? And so I stopped. And I went, you know what, screw it. (laughs) I'm going to please me because at least I can control that one. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there is this illusion, I think, that's around all of it, that we're keeping all these people happy. But the truth is, they're not really happy. And whatever false harmony we're sort of creating, it's it's short lived. 
And it's not, um, it's not sustainable because after a while, I mean, really to lose yourself to, especially like to the point I did, as I started finding myself uh, and my favorite color again, it did start to unravel my marriage. Mm. And I realized my marriage was not going to last. And that was heartbreaking. I mean, this was my high school sweetheart. We have four kids together. We're, you know, culture, religiously, I was still in the belief that that would be a sin to get divorced. Like there was just Mm. a lot of So I don't believe that anymore. I don't think it's a sin to get divorced, but that's what I grew up in. And so there was a lot of heaviness in that realization that I was probably going to end up being divorced. And yet I thought the only way I can stay married is to go back to what I was, to go back to losing myself. Mm. And I think if I do that, I'll die. Like that's really how it felt. And it is a death. It is a self-death to set aside our authentic nature in order to please somebody else, be what somebody else wants us to be, or some organization or, you know, anything, fill in the blank. Mm. When we keep throwing those blankets over our authentic self so that we can't find it anymore, it is a death. Yeah. And there's kind of a cycle to it too, uh, well, I found that, um, particularly in relationships, that, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're attracting people who you constantly need to be, you know, pleasing and supporting yes. and being yes. there for all the time. And then you're not actually getting that in return. Um, exactly. So you're not getting your cup filled, but they seem to be. And, and mm-hmm. then something goes wrong where it all backfires and you're the one who gets hurt. And, and you go through it over and over again until you realise, oh, I had no boundaries in place and that's yes. why I'm hurt. Um, that's what yes. happened for me. And, yeah, I yeah. just I stopped it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Because And not only do you get hurt, usually, or my story, this is very true, and it is for most people, you get blamed for it becomes your fault. Like somehow it always, oh my gosh, I would leave a conversation with my husband and think, now how did that wind up getting turned on me? Because it was totally something I was trying to bring to his attention about him. But you know, it's a gift. The people who like to be with people pleasers, uh, they have a gift at deflecting and, you know, it sets and, and our lack of boundaries, my, inability to set a boundary. I didn't even understand what a boundary was initially. It, it sets me, it set me up for being with emotionally abusive people. Mm -hmm. And of course, physically abusive too. I didn't happen to be with somebody physically abusive, but emotionally abusive. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And it's that fear of saying no, it's the fear. And, you know, usually it comes down to, a fear of not being loved Mm. that we won't be loved. And that's huge. Mm. That's why I don't expect people to, you know, listen to a podcast and be healed. (laughs) Like this takes work, right? It does. Like it takes work and effort to unravel that belief that if I disappoint this person, if I make this person mad, it's okay and I'm still lovable. I am still worthy of love. Even if that person decides they don't love me, that's okay. Mm. I can go find somebody else who will. But until you have the courage for that, it's hard to set that boundary. And so I always think, I mean, there are certain things about boundaries, like learning how to say things. I work a lot with clients on, okay, now we've got it, but how do I actually say it? You know, kind of a thing. Mm. But way before we get to saying it, is the stuff that's underneath that that keeps us from getting anywhere near saying anything, which is usually some sort of belief that we won't be loved or lovable if we do it. And until we address that, we even if we say no once or whatever, we won't be able to maintain it mm. because of that fear of not being loved. And, and I think even understanding those fears really were got in our psyches initially to protect us. Yeah. You know, when I was a little girl, the smartest thing I could do 
was make everybody around me happy because that was a really cranky group of people, (laughs) you know? So I spared myself a lot of grief, you know? So there was, there was a time where that got put in place that it really was for my benefit. And then we grow to a point that it starts hurting us instead of helping us. And that's when we need the coach or the therapist or the somebody to help us find that new way to help us remove those blankets and get back to our authentic self before it made that decision. Mm. And when you speak about, you know, peeling off those layers and looking Mm -hmm. at what's underneath and, you know, the root cause of these kind of things, um, a lot of the time there's generational trauma or generational Mm. conditioning that sits in under there that, you know, it could be from your parents or even, you know, other generations um, that you are not even conscious of. Yes. I mean, I'm doing personally a lot of work right now with somebody and that's it. There's a lot of work on that generational trauma and those generational beliefs because that it adds fuel to the amount that I have, Mm. you know, is the way that's kind of the way I think of it. It's like, if I would have that at a level five, whatever, if, if I was existing in isolation, but it wasn't just me. It was me. It was my grandmother. It was her mother. It was uh, surely her mother. And, and so all that, it's like a snowball, mm. you know, that builds up and grows as it rolls down into my generation. And so I'm also carrying unconsciously, uh, you know, a whole weight of it that isn't actually my own, but, you know, I need to be able to release all of that. And in my own belief system, One of the beauties of that is I also believe that as I can release that generational trauma and that those generational beliefs, I am freeing up the generations beyond me. So Mm -hmm. I have children and they have children and uh, it does feel good to think I am making this easier for the next generations to stop it here. Mm. And, And that's the thing, you know, like we can have things manifest and we have no idea why. Until, you know, mm-hmm. we we peel back the, you know, the covering. We just go, oh, I understand now. It's really connecting those dots that you're mm-hmm. hanging on to stuff that isn't even yours. Yes. And why I think it also for me helped, helped me understand why something could feel so real to me mm. or, you know, so big maybe is another way to say it. When I could intellectually like look at my own experience and say, well, you know, that was a th- three in a one scale of one to 10, Mm. but it feels like a seven. Mm. Well, it feels like a seven because of all that lineage that is come the energy from that, that is connecting into my own and, and kind of upping the ante on it. Yeah. So in the, in the work that you do, what kind Mm -hmm. of change have you seen in, in clients? Oh my gosh. It's very exciting. So A lot. I mean, there are practical things like they get the courage to leave a job and they go start their business or get a promote, you know, go look for other jobs and get promotions. People who leave relationships that are unhealthy for them or this is another fun one, like start dating because they've left a relationship that was toxic and they want to figure it out before they start dating again to choose to start to choose different people, mm. you know, and to notice quickly, like it's such a win um, when I have a client who's dating, you know, in that kind of scenario. And they're like, yeah, I only went out with him three times and I figured it out. You know, it's like, yay, you know, only three times we didn't marry him, you know, <laughs> so <laughs> not that it has to be a him. Uh, emotional abuse is not gender specific. Correct. But um you know, so I love those kinds of things, but what's almost for me more thrilling are the things that maybe are a little less tangible in like the testimonial realm or something. When a person tells me they feel so much freer, that they're trusting themselves, that they're, um, they're not second guessing everything you know, that they have enough confidence and have that belief that they're lovable, that now things that used to feel very normal to them, little, you know, 
things that they would tolerate from other people now they won't tolerate because they see it and they're not afraid to risk that because they know they're lovable no matter what and so those are the pieces those are the pieces of growth that are the most meaningful and keep me doing what I do you know I mean I the new jobs and the new lovers are great but once you really experience that freedom and power of really authentic self-expression in any circumstance, you know, or anyone that it comes on for me, I didn't get it all at once in everything, right? Like I got it at work before I got it in my love life. And I got, you know, but as the, the parts of our life come online, so to speak, with that authentic power of self-expression, I mean, there's just nothing better than that. There's, there's nothing there's no higher joy that I've experienced. And so seeing it in others and knowing I got to be on the journey with them for it is just a total thrill. Yeah. And you just light up when you talk about it. It must be such a fulfilling <laughs> job for you. Yes. <laughs> I think I found my purpose. <laughs> and this is it, you know, um, you know, growth. Um, I was just talking to someone earlier. Um, growth does take struggle and it yeah. takes work. And, you know, for, for people like us, we can't take people where we haven't been. Right. Abs. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for saying that. Yes, it is so true. Anybody, one of my pet peeves in life are people who teach what they cannot do. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, there are people in every profession, including coaches, doing that. But I am very careful to not coach what I haven't been able to accomplish, so to speak, that growth that I haven't done. It doesn't mean I only coach people who have the exact same circumstances. That It's not about the story. Mm. It's the dynamic behind the story. And if I haven't already done that, then I can't coach somebody how to, I can might be able to say the words, but to me, it's not the kind of relationship I want to have with a client, mm. you know? Um, and I want people to come to me and feel even in things like this, where they're engaging with me on social media or podcasts or whatever, to feel the truth of that for me, that I will do a connection call with a, someone thinking about being a client. And I will say, I know in five minutes, if I can work with that person, or if I'm not the right coach for them. And I will definitely say when I don't feel like I'm the right coach for them. Mm. And um, yeah. another thing that's really interesting that, that came into my mind as you were talking, you know, how you were saying in different facets of life, it sort of came online mm-hmm. for you. And, yes. and and the same thing has happened for me, you know. Um, it started with myself, you know, like my, my mm-hmm. self-healing and, and then yeah. it was my career. I'm still waiting for the love life bit. But well, <laughs> me too, me too. Um, but it's interesting how you say that, you know, it's like, it's like you, um, you grow into it almost. Yeah. And, um, the other part that also came through for me was that, you know, well, how we were talking about breaking that cycle of, of having those relationships over and over again was actually taking the time to not do the same thing again and actually yes. understanding when you meet someone new that, ah, nah. This, this is an old pattern, let's not repeat that, mm-hmm. and this is not right for me. Um, so it's having enough trust and understanding of yourself to make that mm-hmm. judgment call and go, this one's not good. Yeah, I think that's so wise. And I know for me in my last relationship, which ended about seven years ago, and we've just lived together. I didn't marry him. It lasted about three years. But I did – so I had gone far enough in my own journey – that I absolutely saw the things he did that were emotionally abusive from the beginning. I mean, it, you know, it didn't take more than a week or two of dating before something happened. He was also very generous and thoughtful and a community leader and philanthropic and, you know, like all these had a lot of really lovely qualities. Okay. And so what, where I hadn't grown you know, I hadn't gone quite far enough yet that those things, I let myself dismiss the red flags and went, oh, but, you 
know, well, nobody's perfect and mm-hmm. no relationship is perfect. And, and that's so, that's so easy to do, right? Cause that's true. No one is perfect. I'm not perfect and no relationship is perfect. Mm-hmm. But, and so when, I don't know, the combination of people pleasing and being in other abusive relationships, like even for that one, I saw it and I would set boundaries, but of course you can't set boundaries really with an emotionally abusive person. They just, if they're good at it, they'll say, oh yes, honey. And then they just do it again. Yeah. You know? So it took me a couple of years before I I was like, oh no, wait a minute. <laughs> I know what this is mm-hmm. and I'm not doing it. You know, mm-hmm. and then I, I left very quickly because I'm just like, no, no, no. I'm not going to put myself through this. But so I say that because Every, I want everyone listening to also have a lot of grace for mm. themselves. Mm. We're all on our own journey. It looks different for everybody. And it takes us all different amounts of time to really complete a cycle is kind of the way I think about that. It's like, I think for me now, I mean, we'll know when the next man shows up. <laughs> um, but I think now that I've really completed that, and I would not, that would not happen to me again. You know, I would, I, I catch stuff so much quicker now, even with a stranger, mm. you know, let alone anybody I was interested in. Um, but we're all on our own journey and my journey is not over. Yeah. You know, I'm not coaching because I got there or something. It's just that I've gotten past where the client is, mm. right? So I can help coach them into growth because I've been through there. But it doesn't mean I'm not working with a coach. And it doesn't mean I don't still have my own things that I am growing, you know, through. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, you know, look, uh, one of the things that uh, I highly recommend, and, and I actually do another show where we talk about this, is that, you know, don't choose a coach or a therapist that is not working on themselves. Oh my gosh, yes. Absolutely. That mm. that would be a, that would be a disaster <laughs> if they think they've got it, they don't. <laughs> mm. Because because we're humans, right? We evolve mm-hmm. every single second of the day. And yes. the moment we understand that, everything else about us evolves with it, including yes. our growth, our healing, our past, our present, our future. Um yes. and if we can understand that, we know that we'll never be perfect. That's never going to yes. happen. And yeah. there's no perfect relationship. And it's not a matter of accepting good enough. Um, it's mm-hmm. about knowing in your soul and in your heart what's right. Yes. Yeah. Well, the heart, right, mm-hmm. instead of the head. And and I can be a very mental person. I have a big brain. I love <laughs> to think, 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 and problem solve, all, you know, da, da, da. But man, it it can really get in the way when it comes to the healing and the growth part, because we don't generally think ourselves into our next evolution. Mm. We feel into it. It comes from the heart, the wisdom that all those things that are inside of you already, they're going to come through your heart. And yeah, the head will then maybe strategize how to implement that, but it's a very heartfelt authenticity and authentic self-expression comes from the heart, not from the head. Mm, Absolutely. And, you know, um, it's what I love to call a social organ. You know, your heart, Mm. your heart and your brain actually are social organs and and they do need to talk to each other sometimes. Yes. Yes, they do. (laughs) They do. (laughs) They do. I'm just trying to get my heart to inform my head more than my head informing my heart, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's the journey. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if someone comes to see you and uh, is interested in some coaching, what can they expect? Ooh, well, they're good. I, I would say one of the things I'm always doing, and I think this is, I'm going to call it a gift because I, I'm not sure how I do it exactly. So that's why I think it's maybe a gift, (laughs) but there's, I have a great ability to see beneath what's on the surface uh, to get to what is really the cause, you know, the causation, the real, the real issue. And also like connecting dots with things that don't necessarily seem like they connect. 
And so I don't have any assumption that I'm always right on that. I always ask my client, you know, I'll say, well, I, this is what I'm connecting and, uh, you know, tell me where I'm wrong. And it'll be like, oh my gosh, that's right. You know, so, um, so there's this, it's a very intuitive process, even though I have tangible tools and things I use. I mean, I have a program I call the Solvent Method because I realized in my own self-coaching and coaching with clients, I'm really using a kind of four component process all the time Mm. that has to do with your desires, your thoughts, your feelings, and the action you take and how you can kind of lay any problem over those four lenses and figure out where the disconnects are. So there are tangible, you know, processes I use and tools I use, but there's a very intuitive part of it that I trust and I trust the pace that it takes some clients move very quickly others move more slowly that's okay i'm here to meet them where they're at and i think from the client standpoint i know for me my ideal client is just open and receptive to doing the work mm. right and taking the responsibility the catch 22 about responsibility and blame is that while it's kind of more fun in the moment to blame somebody else and say, well, I'm this way because of my mom or I'm this way because those bad marriages or, you know, whatever the church abuse I got and blah, blah, blah. As soon as I'm pointing my fingers out, I have no power. And so I'm always going to end up being the victim, even if I'm trying to work around it. Right. But I'm always going to be a victim because it's the church's fault or it's my mom's fault or, you know, whatever. So when we bring the responsibility home to ourselves, not responsibility for other people's actions, okay? My abuser abused me. You know, my mother gave me traits that I am actively unwinding and getting rid of, right? So they have to, I get to hold them accountable or responsible for what they did, but then myself accountable for what I'm going to do about that, Mm. And then I have all the power. Then I I have resources. I I can do things. I have, you know, there's possibility. I can start to find my way out. But usually when we're stuck, it's because we've given a person or a situation, money, a job, you know, anything. We've given that thing the power. And once we do that, we are pretty helpless to figured out because we're the victim and we get stuck in that victim position. And so I want a client who has some understanding, even if they don't know how to word it, you know, um, that the answers are with them, Mm. you know, that, yeah, they've had the bad marriage or the bad breakup or the parent that did this and whatever. And they know that that's, you know, messed with them in some way, but they know it's going to be their own inner journey that takes them to freedom, not let's have a session talking about my ex. Cause if I could just, you know, <laughs> if you knew, if you only knew what he did, you know, uh, that, that's not me, you know? Yeah. So I don't know if that answered your question. Absolutely. But. Absolutely. And, okay. and that's another synergy that you and I have is that intuition and that, that ability to read someone's energy and know mm-hmm. what's going on and actually just feel into it and sense it. Mm-hmm. Um, ha- Exactly on the same page as you. Yeah. Um, yeah. But one thing that came up for me there um, in the end of what you were saying is, um, so I'm I'm also a certified Ho'oponopono practitioner and um, um, the late uh, Dr. Hugh Len, who, who te- teaches the practice or used to teach the practice, um, one of the things he said is, have you ever noticed in all the things that go wrong in your life, you're always there? Yeah. Uh-huh. So when you look so at true. yourself, I am always there. Mm-hmm. And every one of those marriages, well, two marriages and one lived with, you know, I I was there. Yeah. So yes, they did their part. And I used to at the beginning, actually, of my people pleasing, or as I was trying to come out of it, I guess I'll say at that point where I'm trying to come out of it. One of, because I was so used to the habits of people pleasing, which is how I like to think of it as a habit that just needs to be broken instead of something wrong with you, you know, but I was so used to taking responsibility for what other people did. 
Like that was just conditioned into me from, you know, the womb, I think. And so I would start to see my part and then it was almost as if, so what they did didn't matter. And that's a distortion as well. Mm. Like, yes, I was in those marriages and what they did mattered, you know? And so it's that being able to hold my, my a therapist I worked with for many years, I love very much. She would describe it as holding the tension mm. between the two, like a pulling a string tight that, yes, there's my part I'm responsible for. And there's their part that they did. But if I get too focused on what they did, that I'm out of, I have no power. The, the metaphor I like to use for this is a sandbox. So we all have our own sandbox. And when you're a people pleaser, you go get in other people's sandboxes. And my sandbox is my body, my thoughts, the words I speak, you know, it's just me. It's only me. And so what you do, like you throw sand at me. Yeah, it might get in my eyes and I may need to clean that out. But it's not my fault you threw that sand, even if you didn't like what I was doing in my sandbox. You know, it's still not my fault you threw that sand. Mm. You know, and so if I say, oh, but, he, you know, she asked me to stop building that sand castle and I just kept going because I was having fun. So I guess when she threw that sand at me, I kind of deserved it, you know, whatever. That's that's the kind of thing we make up in our heads about our interactions with others. Well, I did this, so it's kind of my fault. They got mad. And especially if you're with somebody that's telling you it's your yeah. fault that they got <laughs> mad. I mean, you know, that's hard to stand up again. So it's that I got to stay in my sandbox. That's where my power is. That's where my responsibility is. And that's why when I go mess in somebody else's, I want you to feel differently about it. I want you to do something different. That's me over in your sandbox trying to get you to build a different sandcastle. And that's why it's so frustrating because I'm not supposed to be over there. I have no power in your sandbox and I need to come back home and figure out what I need to do here. Set the boundary with you, you know, whatever it is, just pay attention to my own castle I'm building, you know, whatever it is um, so that I can get back in my own um place where I belong oh Brenda I swear to god I could talk to you all day um uh, but um and I'm sure we will one day but uh, I know I would love that but uh, before we go can you tell us where people can find you if they want to get in touch and find out more yes so the super easy spot is my website because my name is actually Brenda Florida it's my real name. People always say, are you from Florida? Are you is that your real name? Sometimes I tease and say it's my stripper name, but actually <laughs> it's just my name. So my website is brendaflorida.com. So that's easy. And on Instagram, I'm Brenda Florida Coach. Um, so those are the two kind of just, to, if you're hearing this, those are pretty easy words, names to remember. Um, you can do that or, you know, I'm sure there'll be a link in the show notes, but brendaflorida.com has everything. My podcast is in there. My Instagram link is in there. The Solvent Method is in there. All the things, how to contact me. It's all there. Beautiful. Now, before I let you go, I've got the last big question for you. What's the change you'd like to see in the world and how can we bring it to life? Mm. Well, you know, at the day of this recording, isn't that a big loaded question um, with everything in the Ukraine and Russia? Um, what I really think is that this is kind of cliche-ish because a million people said it before me, but I think that I have to be the change. And so what I want for the world is peace and love and joy in no particular order. <laughs> and so for me, I think I have to embody that so that the ripple effects of that can go out into the world because I can't want the world to be that way. I can't, st- I can't say I want Russia to stop being mean if I'm being mean. Mm-hmm. 
you know? So I, I'm, so I, that's how I look at it is I, how do I cultivate that in myself so that my ripple effect through my family, the people my children are, the people my grandchildren are, the people I coach, not that I have an agenda, but obviously they're coming to heal. So the more people, I think when we heal ourselves, we heal the world in whatever ways that looks like for any one of us as an individual. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And normally I'd be wearing my own uh, created Be The Change shirts. Um, so oh. you've you've gone ahead and done that promo for me there. there. Thank go. you, Brenda. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, one thing I often say is, um, you know, healed humans heal humans. Yes. And, you know, it starts with us. That's the whole it point does. of this is that if we want to make a change, it starts with us. And it's love. I heard somebody say this would be a Jacques Cousteau sort of person, but it was too recent for it to be him. But saying, talking about the earth, saying, I just want people to fall in love with the earth mm. because we don't destroy what we love. Mm. And so in the end, we could boil it all down to love. Pretty right? much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which sound, all can sound very elusive, but what does that look like? But in the end of the day, we don't hurt what we love. And we can't beat somebody into loving. Like it just doesn't work that way. <laughs> so we That's have a to whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When we are love, though, we have the chance to inspire someone else mm. to love. Yeah. Oh my goodness, Brenda. This has been absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for being a part oh, of the ethical you. evolution. Thank you. I have loved it. It's just been beautiful. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Ethical Evolution Podcast. If you're ready to be the change and would love to work with me on finding your voice through spiritual coaching or creating your own podcast with impact, visit ethicalchangeagency.com. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an electric cast production. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast, Back to the Arena, the Interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the Interviews. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.